Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to create a business plan for your real estate business. My guest in this episode is Nathan Tabor. Nathan has built a life helping others and improving lives. Throughout his own life and experiences, Nathan has acquired an incredible ability to solve problems develop game plans, and create real and lasting results in both his personal and professional life. He has successfully founded and operated more than two dozen businesses since 1999, grossing over $150 million in sales. His experience spans from the areas of commercial real estate acquisition and redevelopment, automobile sales, direct product sales, web-based marketing, and strategic partnership facilitation. He's had amazing success and epic failures and learned more from his failures than from his success. After years of struggling to keep all of the balls in the air, he learned that there are laws and processes that when implemented will deliver the desired results. If you have not checked out my new podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets, you totally should. You're missing out. I would highly recommend it. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time that I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platforms. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. Uh, you can also connect with fellow Cashflow Ninja listeners through our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, type in Cashflow Ninja Community, and you'll find the group. Savvy investors know that in order for the miracle of compounding interest to work, it's magic, you have to be constantly invested in all stages of the economic cycle. So the question then becomes, how do you find solid investments when the stock market is close to all-time highs and everything else just seems so inflated? That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $25 million to mobile home parks, self-storage, and workforce housing due to their ability to perform well during economic recessions. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobsher, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, MC, thanks for letting me uh, be on your show. I thanks for, thanks for the invite, and I look forward to having a good talk with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to, to connect. Nathan, for folks that don't know who you are and what you do, can you share a little bit about your background and your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, based in North Carolina, uh, 46 years old, uh, serial entrepreneur, 
I've been involved in uh, buy here, pay here car lots, um, sending over a billion emails, building websites, coaching, consulting, um, and I've done a little over $52 million worth of real estate of my own since 2006 and buying, renovating, and flipping multifamily apartment complexes. Now, one of the things, and you and I talked a little bit about it too with real estate, and before we get into um, a lot of the the more tactical questions, but one of the big things that you talk about is having a plan for your real estate business, because a lot of folks just, you know, they pick one thing and they just kind of, you know, move on from the one thing to the other without really a plan or a very strategic way of attacking this Um what are some of the things that you can share on that and how do how do investors start to build a plan for their real estate business? Yeah, you know, it's um it's kind of sad uh, when you look at SBA, a small business administration, just across the board, 85% of small businesses fell in the first five years because they don't have a business plan. And when I go to real estate conferences and when I talk with very, you know, various people uh, around, they've done a ton of real estate educational courses. They've done a ton of coaching and consulting, but they still don't know what they want to do. You ask them, what type of real estate do you want to do? And at one moment, they're on raw land. The next moment, they're on trailer parks. The next moment, they're on single family. They're in their own multifamily. What happens there is kind of two things, or a lot of things happen, but two major things is, one, they don't focus. They don't have a business plan. They don't have an investor packet. They don't have the ability to get a deal done because they don't have the tools to do it. Two, with investors, when they're trying to raise money, if you're just going to someone and saying, hey, MC, will you invest with me in real estate? Um, no. <laughs> very, very wide uh, open question. <laughs> right. I mean, what type of real estate? Where? Is it in town? Is it out of town? Is it you know, a class A, you know, low risk, high risk, class C, is it raw, you know, are you holding it for 20 years? I mean, what's the plan? Mm -hmm. And when I started applying this to my own businesses, whether it was real estate or not, going to someone and saying, hey, I want to do this and I want to do it here and it's going to take this long and here's the projected amount we can make this is how long I need your money, and this is how much I need, man, doors started opening up. And I mean, I'm talking like a half page, page at the most, not 30, 40, 50 pages, just something in writing, simple. And I don't know what it does in someone's mind, what it um, confidence-wise or perspective, but when you put something down in writing versus trying to verbalize it to them, um, it changes their perspective on you um, 100%. Now, they might still say no, but most likely they're going to say no because they're not into your type of plan. Right. Don't want to invest in Class C property. Okay, well, then go find another investor who does. But now you know why they're saying no. They're not saying no to you. They're saying no to the deal. Right. So, on that on that specific page um, that, that you're putting together, so – Let's break it because we have a lot of uh, new investors and folks just starting on their journey too. So if you break it down, first, obviously, we want to know what we're investing in, right? And then maybe if you can give us like a checklist, here's what you need to put in. I'm an investor. I invest in single family properties, you know, da, 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 and then flow, fr flow from there. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, kind of a quick overview of your business, kind of like what you said there. 
I want to buy an eight unit apartment complex, eight to 12 unit apartment complex, or I want to flip a house or I want to buy raw, you know, whatever it is. And then just kind of a, you know, a quick description of, of where is it? What is it? Uh, you know, it's on the South side of town or it's in, you know, two States over, um, what's it going to take to do it? You know, I need, uh, $150,000, but I can get a hundred thousand dollar loan from the bank. I can put $20,000 in myself or I can't put anything in myself. Um, and it's going to take three months to do it. And here, here's one of the kickers I've always found. If you already have a contractor or if you can find a contractor, you're better to say, and um, John Smith Contracting LLC is going to do the work. And um, All About Care HVAC is going to do the HVAC. And this electrical company is going to do the electrical. So you, you, you're already showing them that you know who's going to do the work. Yeah. Um, how long is it going to take? And then what's the potential return? Yep. And if you don't um, know how to do this, I mean, literally, I mean, obviously you could hire someone, but just go to Google and search, develop a business plan or how to write a business plan. And there will be thousands of free templates that you can grab and modify to, to produce what we were just talking about. Yeah. You're just going to come across a lot more together and focused um, to people when you talk about that. And this could take a while to develop too, because I remember when I first started looking at real estate, you know, and having a little bit of a, you know, entrepreneurial mind, I was just looking at things going squirrel. There's something else. What is this? You know, learning about all these different types of, of really cool niches. When you started, what is it, what attracted you to the niche that you're in? What did you look at? And uh, maybe you can share it to the process of that, what folks will go through in developing this plan. Yeah. And real quick side note there, your little squirrel. <laughs> That's one of my favorite illustrations, the little movie up. Yeah. The animated with the, the old man and the little boy and the dog. Yep. The dog's talking and he's like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> and so that's what people do to their investors. They run to them, hey, or, or their spouse. A lot of spouses don't support people who are in quote unquote real estate investing because we run to them, hey, look what I found on LoopNet or hey, look what I found on MLS. This house is, and we show them the facts and then we run off. So it's like squirrel. And then a week later, we run up squirrel. And we do that to investors or to people that we're trying to get involved with us. And what, you know what it sh is telling them? Now, while we're really excited about it, do you know what it's telling them? Hey, we have no focus. We have yeah. no direction. Yep. We're only looking for the really easy, quick, grand slam, no work, no dedication, really no motivation. And we just want to try to get something for as little as possible to make a lot of money off of. That's not something that gives the confidence to an investor to come on board with you. That's yep. everything that an investor doesn't want to get involved with. Yep. So I like your illustration there of squirrel. Sorry, I got, I got off a little topic there, but I, that's a really good point to be made on that.
Yeah, absolutely. And when you when you started too with your with your business, what attracted you to the niches that 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 you're currently in? And maybe you can share what you do and some of the strategies that you employ and what was the process that you went through? Yeah, so my um niche when I when I start looking at a business, no matter you know what it is, but for real estate here, um my kind of plan, my idea of going in is to be extremely conservative with the income. So if I'm running a P&L, if I'm running a, um, a cap rate or I'm running, you know, the comps on a house, single family or whatever it is, I want to be very, very conservative on how much money it can bring in or what it can be sold for. And then I want to be very liberal with my expenses. Because I want to make sure that I have everything covered and then some. So if I ever have a renovation budget and it's $10,000 or 100000 or a million, I add 30%. Just for the oops, missed something. Yeah. And so the niche for me came in, you know, I was doing other businesses and someone walked into my office and said, hey, I have an 18-unit apartment complex. I, would, I had not invested in real estate up to this point other than a personal home, two personal, bought one, sold one was living in a personal home, but I had not, I, was, I wasn't out looking for real estate deals. And someone walked into an office I owned, was like, hey, I'm, literally he was driving up and down the street, stopping into business owners because he was getting ready to lose it to the bank and he wanted to save his credit. And MC, I went to five banks and the first five banks said no, but they didn't tell me why. The no wasn't about me, the no was about the property, but the six banks said yes. But before I ever went to the banks, I just sat down and ran my numbers. I sat down and, and I didn't know the real estate side of things, but I knew that if you have something, you know, there's 18 units and it was renting for this much money, the most it can bring in is that much money. Yeah. And I also understood from being in business, um, this is where a lot of people fell in real estate too. They look at it and say, oh, that house can rent for 500, is renting for 500 a month, but I can get it to rent for 900 a month. Or that house can, you know, might sell for 150, but I can get 190 for it. Well, the market doesn't allow that. You're going to get what that, you know, what those comps are for 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 residential or for commercial or, or apartments. You're going to get what is renting for in that area. Yeah. So when it really comes down to my niche on that, when I'm looking at things, I want to know, you know, what are the numbers? Do the numbers make sense? Because if the numbers don't make sense, there's no reason to go forward with the deal. There's really no reason to go even look at it until you know the numbers are going to add up. And then once looking at it, you know, I my niche is buying def high deferred maintenance, things that have a lot of issues and a lot of occupancy issues. Well, so I, so I buy close to me. Because the only way to manage a, a big turn on a property for me is if I'm there. So those are the two things that really come down for me on my niche is the numbers and the location. Yeah. What are some of the other uh, things in your checklist um, that when you're looking at properties around your area and maybe you can elaborate um, on, on some of the strategies too, because you are doing something quite unique where there's a lot of um, multifamilies that you flip, but there's also other things that you're involved with. Yeah. So um, due diligence is my big thing, doing things in the right order, uh, making sure that you're, you're focusing on the right things. And 
uh, no matter what business is in, if you get focused on just how much money you can make, um, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. So um, what I really look for, what are the things that can trip you up? And this is what I always like to ask people, especially on the real estate side, who owns fire hydrants? The things that sit outside of, of businesses, homes, apartments, red, normally, sometimes yellow, who owns those? Yeah. Do you know? Well, is that the municipality or the pro, uh, for the municipalities? Well, the, 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 I would have thought and did think that any fire hydrant located anywhere was owned by the fire department or the town or the municipality or the, you know, some government entity. Yeah. And it's been uh, about 10 years ago, I bought a, a 66 unit apartment complex on 13 acres. It had a little over a quarter of a mile of piping and four fire hydrants in the insurance company as normal said, hey, we need to have the fire hydrants inspected, signed off on by the fire marshal. So I called the fire marshal. About five minutes later, I get a call back and say, hey, it's $75 per fire hydrant. And I was like, for what? <laughs> he said, well, you own those. And I was like, what? I don't own these. They're fire hydrants. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, no, go look in your deed. Uh, when the property was built, the fire hydrants and the piping was deeded to the property. And sure enough, MC, I went and pulled the deed. And I mean, I, this had been through attorneys and appraisers and surveyors and all of that. And no one ever mentioned like, hey, you own these fire hydrants. Thankfully, there was nothing wrong with them. But I got a quote just to see how much. Had there been something wrong, if everything had gone wrong, it had been uh, almost $86,000 to replace the piping in the four hy fire hydrants. Oh, wow. So I tell people, when you're going into something, if you don't know what it is, if you don't know, if you can't answer it, you better find somebody who can. Because yep. just looking at something and saying, oh, uh, I don't know, but that's not a big deal. It might not ever get you. It might not ever become a big deal. But if it does become a big deal, those little things are the things that end up costing us a lot of time and a lot of money. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a golden nugget right there. So <laughs> to be completely aware, and I learned something new today too. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you just – there's these assumptions in our minds. Yeah. And I, I love this illustration, I, 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 wherever it is, whether it's real estate or not. I speak at a lot of college campuses and, and entrepreneurial events, and I always ask people, what's the first thing you do when you build a house? 99.9% yeah. .9 of the people will say, you build the found, you dig the foundation, you set the found, you know, something in that, the foundation. It's really. So you would just go randomly build a house on somebody else's land? Right. But see, we're programmed in our mind when we do real estate or business, the first thing is, oh, well, how do I make money? Mm -hmm. That should not be your first – it could be your first thought, but then you should back up and say, well, before I ever build that house, I need to find the land. I need to buy the land. I need to you know, pull permits. I need to have plans made. I need to see if it perks. Because if there's not water and sewer and it doesn't perk for a septic tank, now you've got another call. I mean, there's 50, 60, 70 things you need to do before you ever dig a foundation. And every one of those things can stop you from building that foundation if they're not done, done right, and done in order. 
And the same thing applies to any business, real estate or not, having a business plan, having an investor packet, asking questions, make sure you, you understand the process. If you don't understand the process, find somebody who does. I mean, there's all these things that we should be doing before we ever get involved in anything, much less real estate. But most of the time, we just jump right in and then we wonder, why aren't we getting the results we want? Well, you're not getting the results you want because you're not doing it the right way. Yep. And uh, the, the other thing that I, that I learned too, and this is, this is just through the, the process and part of the, the coaching program that I'm involved with as well, is the, the long-term and the big picture view of things. And you know, we plan in, in increments of basically 25 years. So it's in 25 years, if you give yourself the 25-year kind of framework, now all of a sudden you give yourself back time, uh, time abundance instead of time scarcity of chasing and running from the one thing to the other and trying to do things that's going to make you money quickly instead of my, uh, doing things now that's going to be sustainable, still relevant, and still worthwhile in doing in a framework of 25 years. And just that quick little mindset right there, which I think was what a lot of what you're stating as well, the big picture view and being very strategic overall and not just jumping around like the, the squirrel, the squirrel analogy we spoke about, but being very strategic and looking long range and thinking big picture because you're building a business. And if you're going to build something worthwhile, give yourself enough time to build it and, and, and not necessarily just go for the, 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 the easy money or the quick money, right? Yeah. And, you know, it annoys me when I see these programs out there that says, you know, buy my educational course or my program and be a millionaire in a year. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, do you already have a trust account? Do you have, you know, do you have a, a you know, somebody who's your, your sugar person? But most likely, statistically, to start any business and create a million dollars worth of cash or equity in one year um, is not valid, is not attainable. So what happens if that's your goal, what happens at the end of the year or six months in when you're, when you're nowhere close? You're not, any, you're not anywhere close to reaching that. What do you do? You quit. Mm-hmm. So kind of to your point there, we need to be realistic about our goals, right? Right. If you want to, if you want to reach a goal, it needs to be an attainable goal. You're listening to the Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Kings, queens, and royal families, along with the nobility and ultra-rich, have warehoused and stored their wealth for centuries in gold and silver, art, land, and real estate. These assets have stood the test of time through centuries and have been a great place to preserve and protect their wealth. Like gold, silver, land, and real estate, art has been around for centuries and will be around for many, many more centuries. That's why the ultra-rich will continue to invest in art and preserve their wealth in art. While the S&P declined 5.1% in 2018, 
the art market returned 10.6% and was called the best investment of 2018 by the Wall Street Journal. Masterworks is the first company to allow investors to buy shares of great blue chip art masterpieces by artists like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. You can get set up on their platform at cashflowninja.com forward slash art. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and stealth storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Let's talk a little bit about that because to set realistic expectations and setting goals, what, are, what is the framework that you would, uh, that you would use um, with folks in setting certain real estate goals when they start out with their, with their business? Yeah, you know, the, one of the first is uh, that really defines someone and what they can do in real estate is uh, how much money they have or the access to money. Because, you know, single family, residential, 10% down, commercial, 20 to 30% down. So, I mean, I can tell someone real quick, you know, how much real estate they can do is based on how much money they have, which is sad, unfortunate, but that's capitalism, right? And just because you don't have it doesn't mean you can't go raise it. Right now, if someone's not raising money in this current economy, it's because they don't have a good plan or a good investor packet. They're not, they're not sharing their vision in a way that people can see it and understand it. Uh, the second is time. Do you have the time to do it? You know, what's your full-time job? What's your marital status? What, how many kids do you have? What are your obligations? Because I meet a lot of people, they're like, man, I want to do real estate. Well, great. When are you going to do it? Oh, well, you know, I can get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Okay. But I mean, when are you going to go walk property? When are you going to? I mean, there, you got to have time to do it. And it might be one of those that some people might have to rearrange their priorities. They might not be able to play golf twice a week. Um, so those are the two big things. The third is, is then them putting it in writing. What are your goals? What are, you, what are you trying to achieve? I don't know, especially in America, this is, I see this a lot. We will plan out our vacations down to where we're going to eat where we're going to go out, what we're going to do, flying or train or bus or driving. I mean, we, we are very particular about that. Um, but we won't do it in our business. We won't sit down and, and map out what are our goals, what is, what's the vision, what do we want to achieve, and then really what's the passion behind it? Why do you want to achieve it? Because as you know, uh, this business, being in this, it's not, it doesn't always work out the way you want it to, which is life. And if you're doing it just for money, you're going to be sorely disappointed because some deals don't go. I, I've spent six, eight, ten months working on a deal, working the due diligence, working you know, all different angles, and it fall apart. 
and I, I've invested money. I've invested a lot of time and the deal didn't go through. So I'm just out that money. I'm out that time. So it can't be just about money. It's got to be about building long-term wealth, long-term equity, setting up college funds for the kids or whatever it is. It's got to be something other than just the immediate return of money. Yep. And it's also about creating a lifestyle, right? You're creating, you're building, um, building your, in your, your business plan and st strategically planning and setting your goals should start with the end in mind, uh, you know, obviously of the life that you are desiring and that you're trying to build because to your point with the person getting up at 4am and start working, I mean, maybe in the short run, you know, you do whatever you need to do to get it started, but that's not sustainable in the long run in the big picture. Right. It's not. And so then you're just going to get, you're just going to get aggravated with yourself and everybody around you is going to get aggravated with you. So you got to, you got to plan it out. It's got to be a, a good plan. It's got to be something that's attainable, something that is realistic. You know, like saying that earlier, somebody who says, oh, you know, they're starting out. Well, I want to have a million dollars worth of real estate in 12 months. Is that realistic? Because if it's not realistic, then you need to adjust the plan. Not that you're, you know, not smart enough or not talented enough. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the realistic side of money and time and all the other things we've talked about come into play. And that has to come into what you're going to try to achieve in your goals. What are some of the things that um, are working in your life right now, personally and professionally in a business, and why do they work? Uh, the number one thing for me at this point in my life, I'm 46, is uh, organization, uh, being very intentional with my time, um, I, which I used not to be. I was very much fly by the seat of my pants, just, you know, squirrel, squirrel. If this came along, that came along. Oh, I can make money over here. I can make money over there. Uh, I've become very um, intentional with my to-do list. I block off time. I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of podcast. Um, I do a lot. I spend a lot of time with my family now because I got a 14-year-old daughter. Um, is blocking off time, and when I block off time to work, I work. When I block off time to be with my family, I put my technology away. And if you're going to sustain in this life, you got to have work-life balance. you got to be able to go work hard, get your work done, do all of that. But then you've also got to unplug so you can uncharge and then spend, you know, if you have a family, you want to keep that family or friends, you want to keep those friends. You know, I, man, I've met a lot of people over the years that they've made millions tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, when they got there, they didn't like themselves and no one else liked them. Because, and I've been on that path before. If money is your motivation, man, you'll step on anybody, you'll step through anybody, you'll step over anybody, because when it comes to making that money, it's about making that money and nothing else matters. And if you've ever met one of those people, MC, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever met one of those people? Yep. Absolutely. Do you ever want to be around them? <laughs> no, not really. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, but there's there's initially something about like, oh, man, that's, you know, they're making a lot of money, but then no one likes them. Everybody talks behind their back. You know, 
that person doesn't have integrity. That person's word doesn't matter. That person will, you know, take advantage of you. Yep. And some people may, some people will probably be listening to this and be like, so I'll have the money. Okay. I mean, that's, that's your right, but you're not going to be, you're, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to have joy in your life. Happiness is just an emotion, right? Happiness comes and goes. You can be happy one moment and you're, $150,000 Porsche until somebody rear ends you. Guess what's going? Happy. <laughs> yeah. A lot of other emotions uh, kick in then. Yeah. And none of them are pleasant. <laughs> no, not, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, one habit I've observed from very wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new things. What are you currently studying? What are you learning? Um, I the last uh, year or so in my life, well, really in the last five years, but the last year is really uh, the balancing uh, of life. I, I'm an evangelical Christian. I am who I am. I, I try not to judge other people. I don't want to be judged. Um, I have my way I try to live. And I've really tried to, I guess I can put it this way, of stop being a hypocrite. Stop saying that I you know, believe this, or I'm going to live this way, but then not doing it. And so I've been reading a lot of uh, books on, you know, maintaining who you are. Um, and in our, in our society today, that's kind of a, a lost art of someone to, to be able to be unique, to be who they are, but then still be able to be accepted and get along with others. Because it's kind of the mentality of like, oh, if you don't agree with me 100%, you're an idiot or a moron. Well, you know what? I mean, I've been married for almost 16 years, and I love my wife. She's my best friend. We have an amazing relationship. But there's some things I don't agree with her about. There's some things we don't get along about. So we've just agreed we either don't discuss those things, or when we do, we have a good conversation. And then we fist bump and say, you know what? I don't think you're right, but I respect your opinion. And we move on. So, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time, you know, digging into that and then not only for me, but then trying to apply that when I'm out in business and I'm meeting with someone or we're working on something and they don't believe or they don't agree with. The best way I have found to say that is say, hey, MC, look, I just want to address the elephant in the room. You're different than me. You have a different opinion or whatever. So I just want you to know how I feel. I know how you feel. If you want to discuss it, I'm down for it. If not, we can move on and just go on. But I don't want it to be like this thing that we can't discuss because you're afraid you're going to hurt my feelings or I'm afraid I'm going to hurt your feelings. So I just I just address it straight on. Gotcha. And 99.9% .9 of the time, people are like, whoa, didn't see that coming. But thanks. I appreciate you bringing that up because I didn't know how to address that. It really doesn't matter to me, but I'm glad you brought it up. So let's move on. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? 
Uh, number one, uh, don't ever violate your integrity over money. It has to do with money, but it has to do with integrity. Your word, your integrity is something that once it's lost, you know, we've seen people spend 40 years building up their platform, politicians, preachers, businessmen and women, and in one five-second decision, lose it all. Yep. So protect your integrity. Two, just because you have a credit card or, or some access to credit doesn't mean that you have money. That means you have credit. And when you run a credit card up or you pull a credit card line down, you have to pay it back. Um, third is, um, you know, really focus in on your faith. Everybody has a set of morals and values. Uh, we live in a society today that tells us to leave our, you know, religion, leave our faith, you know, leave it to the side. But um, as humans, as individuals, it's extremely important that we, you know, establish that who we are. For me, it's my relationship with God. And man, I'm 46 now. When I was 40, I woke up, I had 13 businesses rocking from the outside. Everything was great. Inside, I was miserable. And most people in our society, they are miserable. They look like they've been sucking on lemons. There's no joy in their life. There's no contentment. They're always searching for the next thing, the next hit, the next money, the next check, the next girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And we've become kind of an uncivil society. And there's, there's got to be a, a foundation in your life. And most people don't take the time to find that foundation. They just continue to try to find the next best thing or the Instagram fame or whatever it may be. And all it brings is misery and stress. So those are my three things. Fantastic. Uh, where can folks learn more about you? Where can they follow you? And where can they stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Yeah, so uh, my website is Nathan Tabor, T-A-B is in boy, O-R.com. Get there is kind of a, a wheel, as a landing page. I've got, um, I'm a commercial real estate broker in the state of North Carolina. I'm a coach and consultant, one-on-one uh, -on -one type uh, scenarios for businesses and individuals. Uh, I have a ministry that I work on uh, quite, quite a bit. Um, then I, you know, there's links there to my Facebook and my LinkedIn uh, that I post random about what's going on or what projects or where I'm speaking. Uh, so if they want to get involved or get in touch with me, the, the best place to visit is NathanTabor.com. Once they get in there too, uh, if they click the real estate link, I have a couple of different, uh, had three different uh, free eBooks on how to find finance, fix and flip apartments, uh, the guide to getting started in real estate and the guide to due diligence for real estate. Fantastic. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for connecting and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners and covering this very, very important topic of how to create and develop a plan for your real estate business. Yeah, you know, MC, I appreciate you having me on. And, and this is one of those topics that's kind of boring. Um, it, it is something that you don't make a lot of money off of. Yep. And we talked about this pre-show. But this is the most important part yep. in, in sustaining, getting your, your business, your real estate started, but also sustaining it. Yep. 
And so while it might not be the thing that you want to do up front that you see, oh, how am I going to make money off this? It is the most important thing. Yep. Um, I, have you shared with your listeners about your rugby background? Yeah, they're, they, they're familiar with my rugby background. Okay, so, so let's use an illustration on this and I'll, and I'll let you go because I, I, I've never played rugby, but I had a lot of friends who used to. Yeah. What's the, it's the scrum, is that what it's called? That's right, it's a scrum. Okay, so when you're doing the scrum, that's when the two teams are facing each other and the ball is going to be dropped in the, the middle, correct? That's correct. If I remember correctly, the most important about that is you always put your strongest men or women in the back. Because they were the found, or they maybe the front, whatever the foundation of that scrum was going to be. Yep, in the front, yeah, your your in, your props in the front, the props. Yep. If you had weak props, what happened to you in that scrum? Yep, the scrum would collapse, or you would get uh, demolished by the. You get arm. ran over, or you get yep. stepped on, you get crushed. Yep. So that's the same as trying to go into real estate and not having that foundation that prop set up, correct? Yep. It might work for a moment. It might work sometimes. Maybe the other team, maybe their prop's weaker. But eventually, it's not going to work, and then somebody's going to get hurt. Yep. Is that a pretty good analogy to rugby and real estate? Yep. The anchor of the scrum, too, for the rugby the rugby guys out there, your anchor of the scrum, your tight end is one of the most important players on the field because he basically locks in the scrum. So great analogy. Perfect. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on your show. I really enjoy it. Um, thanks for all you do because if people don't know, it takes a lot of time to produce a podcast. It takes a lot of effort to find guests and then edit You know, before, before and after. So thank you for doing this to help other people understand what they need to do in their uh, business and their real estate career. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.